What's up? Welcome to the AV Club podcast. Got a good one for you guys today. My guest's name is Brandon Lewin. He is the CEO of Big Laugh Comedy, which is a comedy media company. They supply high quality comedy content, whether it's online or in person. Uh, I actually did some work for this guy not too long ago in Austin on 6th Street. I got to film big time comedians such as Ron White, Joe Rogan, Tony Hinchcliffe, and a lot of up and coming guys. And it was such a fun time. The comedy scene is exploding here in Austin. So I encourage everyone to listen to this podcast because he's got a lot of cool insight and just a lot of cool stories about what has happened so far in his short amount of time going all in on his comedy career. Uh, not as a comedian, but as a producer of comedy and someone who brings comedy to the people. So it's a great episode. Brandon is a really, really chill guy, had a great story, and, and we just had a great time. It's a cool conversation. So without further ado, Brandon Lewin. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy. A lot, man. How's you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for coming out here. Thanks for having me, man. This is pretty fucking cool. I like this setup. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. I'm, I've been working on it like... Ever since I started it, it's been proved slowly and slowly. So new lights, better camera, better mic. So it's a Good process, deal. but it's it's so fun. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. You've done many podcasts or? Yeah, I used to do a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Um, so I've been, I've run my own podcast. Like I've probably done like three or four now since like probably like five, six years ago. Oh, nice. So, uh, but the concept of like this kind of whole setup where you get the camera, the lights, the microphones, the face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done this particular. Oh, really? It, but this is fun, though. I'm yeah. excited. Because, like, like, for me, like, even over Zoom, like, Zoom's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with, like, Zoom is you don't get the face-to-face interaction. Right. So this yeah. is pretty cool. I'm excited, man. It's Dude, Zoom is different. I've done two over Zoom just because of, like, the, the ice storm we had. And sure. then, of course, just distance and people traveling. But it's way different like I, I love it way more in the studio because yeah. it's that interpersonal communication that connection is just it makes it different there's like a you get a little bit nervous like i'm not nervous but like you yeah. kind of feel like you know you could see the camera on you you can feel it. the vibe the energy off the person yeah, for man. sure man yeah it's awesome man so brandon my man yes sir Tell us what you do, man. Tell us what you do. I'm oh, excited shit. about this one, man. Okay. So what do I do? Um, I do a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the main thing I do is I run a company called Big Laugh Comedy. Yep. Um, and what we do is we provide really high quality comedy content to people. Mm. So we right now predominantly are just doing live socially distanced shows still. Mm. Um, and we've been doing that since October of this year, um, or 2020, I should say. And uh, yeah, man, so we do it in Austin. We have shows in San Antonio. Um, prior to that, I was doing production. You want me to just go into like the whole story? Dude, yeah, okay. let, it rip. let me go back then. So I have been an entrepreneur my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, my first time I, uh, learn, I, I've, I learned how to make money was my dad um offered me an opportunity because i wanted new jordans Mm. when i was 10 years old (laughs) and he's like screw it you have enough pair of shoes he's like if you want to buy these he's like you got to buy them yourself yeah so uh he he basically um asked me to look around at how i can make money and i remember it was like i lived in chicago at the time was born and raised in chicago okay so i was 10 i look he's like look outside i looked outside there were snow out there he's like what do you see? I said, snow's covering everything. He's like, what do you think you can do with that? 
I said, I don't know. He's like, well, you can go out there and shovel some snow for people's driveways and their sidewalks. Yeah. And they'll pay you money. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So he kind of hooked me up. I went and grabbed my best friend who lived down the street. We grabbed our shovels, put on all our snow gear, went around. I remember we both looked at each other, about to knock at the first door. We're like, who's going to do this, right? <laughs> and both of us were petrified. And uh, I said, I'll do it. So I went up there and knocked on the door. And this old lady answered the door, and she was very nice, and she absolutely, she was so gracious, and she she um, gave us the opportunity to do it. So we wow. got our first five dollars, <laughs> and fast forward, we made about two hundred dollars together, Whoa. which we split, which I was able to buy those Jordans and have a little extra money, because uh, they weren't as expensive then, right, right, right. as they are now. Um, but uh, yeah, man, that was my first taste of entrepreneurship, and then. From there on out, my dad's been an entrepreneur his whole life. My mom has been too, so it's just in my blood. So when I uh, was in college, I started a uh, ticket brokerage site. So it was like StubHub. No way. Yeah, man. But it was like before <laughs> StubHub was really around. So right. we started one ourselves, and that's where I got a real big crash course and how to create a website. Yeah. Um, I mean, this was back then, I think, like 2004, 2005. And so yeah. I got a crash course in all this stuff. Early and, on. And yeah, and, and I learned sales and marketing. And what I really enjoyed was, I remember a friend of mine, I had another guy that was helping us out and he was god awful. Mm. Um, he didn't do any like, good customer service, <laughs> none of that shit. So um, he was like dropping the ball on the sale that we had with a friend of ours for, I think it was actually ironically in our Kelly concert um, <laughs> and so uh Dang. you know i took over and basically i picked up where he left off mm. i grabbed tickets got everything situated dropped it off to her she was extremely happy and i just remember that that feeling the, gr the gratification you get from helping somebody and and the gratitude that they have towards you for right. doing that yeah um i got a high from it and so i've been chasing that high ever since man and it's it's fun because that's why I really enjoy I enjoy helping people. I enjoy bringing uh, joy to people yeah. and happiness. And so by doing that in different ways. So through my whole career, I, I was in sales and marketing, in and I ran my own uh, marketing agencies, a, a couple different ones. Right. And then I was running my latest one. And I got fired from, I worked in between my first, the first agency I started was in 2008. It was a social media marketing agency. Mm -hmm. It was back when no one was doing this stuff. And um, built it up, was doing really, really well, was helping a lot of social uh, small businesses and, and so forth kind of get acclimated to that. And then um, I decided I was, I met my wife, uh, we, she got pregnant, um, we were going to get married because we weren't married at the time. So we were going through all those changes. So I was like, oh, I'm going to step back from running this company mm -hmm. and I'm going to go work for somebody, somebody else. And right. they, they actually needed what I offered, which was uh, you know social media know-how and all this stuff. And they had bigger clients that needed this help. And so they, they acquired the, the company and myself to come work for them. And it was a horrible marriage. And I learned through this three-year kind of hiatus of not working for somebody else. I worked for three agencies in essentially like three years. And I'm just a horrible employee. Once you work for yourself, right. man, it's hard to go yeah. work for, for somebody else again. So um, the last job I had, I actually got fired. 
and um, I was I got fired the day before I was leaving to go to my buddy's bachelor party in, in New Orleans. So oh, right. uh, I got to blow off a lot of steam down there. <laughs> uh, everything was was good and kosher, though. You know, like my wife was like, "You can go to the strip club, but don't do anything else." <laughs> I was like, "Yes, ma'am. Whatever you say. I'm afraid of you. Um, I won't do that." So um, we had a good time. Came back, and I started my agency. And in that period of time, I the the company I worked for that actually fired me. Um, they taught me a lot because we worked remotely mm. um, back then. It was a very something common, but we had four offices, two which were in um, Canada actually, and then two they were in the states. And then we had a bunch of people who worked remotely. Right. So a lot of our meetings were um, over uh, Google Meetings. And we use Google Docs and uh, Google, you know, the Google Suites, mm, all yeah. that stuff. Right. So I learned how to do all this and how to work with clients and and so forth on a on a um, virtual basis. So when I went to go work for myself, I actually um, started to work with a ton of clients. I had clients in Arizona, California, Florida, New York, Chicago, and I, at the time, I remember we. W- but the family and I took a, a trip down to Rotan, Honduras. Mm-hmm. Um, we have family friends that live down there. Oh, dear. And so we used to go there all the time when my kids were younger. But my daughter was, I think, four at the time. My son was like a year in some change. And my daughter was down there and there was a winter storm. We were about to head back. It was like the beginning of January. We were about to head back. And she goes... Um, she goes, Daddy, I don't want to go back to the snow. I want to wear flip-flops all the time. <laughs> and and also what kind of resonated with me, a couple things. One, I was working at, down there while we were there. And mm-hmm. Rotan uh, or Honduras is still a third-world country. So we had, like, dial-up internet. So I was still oh, working right. and handling clients in, with dial-up internet in a third-world country. I was like, if I could do it here, I could do it anywhere. Yeah. I'm like, I don't have to be in Chicago and so, and then the other thing is like, my wife is from Miami originally. So she always right. like oh, wanted yeah. to kind of get out of Chicago. She'd been there for like nine years. Mm-hmm. And so for her, it was too cold. And then for me too, like from a personal and uh, business perspective, I've always read and learned uh, that if you want to grow, the best way to do this, take yourself out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Yes. So I agree with that. for me... <laughs> I don't know what I like. I'm I do crazy shit sometimes, but <laughs> the, I was like, you know what? Let's move somewhere warm away from Chicago, which is where all of our support system is basically, and our um and and so they're like, let's move. I'm like, let's move away from all this. She was also pregnant with our third child, right. so we moved away while she was pregnant with our third child. Um, to Austin, we picked Austin of all places um, because <laughs> we had two friends here, but that was really about it. Yeah. And like uh, how we got into it was like I've been here a few times because one of my best friends lived down here at the yeah. time, and my wife came down here when she was pregnant, like I said, and she ate a bunch of food when she was down here, and she tasted all the great food. She had fried Oreos, oh, she had hot yeah. dotty, she all this, and she was like, "I'm sold." She's like, "No questions <laughs> asked, let's go." And the market even then was bad, really crazy. Like we, yeah. we went to go look at houses, and every house that we went to, it seemed like they would go off the market really fast. So mm. We found a place in the burbs, and we just jumped on it. So when we moved down here five years ago, going on six, I about a year into it, I had this. I, I have this tick in me. I don't know what it is, but I feel mortality. I feel like I feel the stuff coming back. To, 
behind me, I feel like at any moment, because like life, like I've seen this from friends and so forth um, and through life, you never, you can't control what happens to you, right? Right. You don't know when you're going to die. Um, but what you do control is what you do with your time here. Yeah. And so my thought has always been is that like, if I'm going to be here, I don't want to half ass shit. Mm-hmm. I want to leave a legacy. I want to make a difference in this world and I want to make a big impact. And so I've been chasing this big dream and ambitions and I've never really found ex- my exact path, right? Like I thought marketing was it. Um, and although marketing is good, it just wasn't, you know, really f- satisfying. It wasn't allowing me to get as big as I wanted to. I've right. always wanted to be, have a run a really large company, making a huge difference in the world. Um, and it's not for the money purposes, although money is great. Right. It's really like what you do with the money, right? Yeah. Like good people can do great things when they have money and power and influence. I agree. And so that's what I wanted to do. And that's still what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I've gone through this journey. We've been up and down. And f- about four years ago, I had this thing where I was like, you know what? I love comedy. I love making people laugh. It's kind of natural for me. I'm like, I'm going to throw my hat into doing stand-up comedy. Yeah. And so I started studying and researching and watching all the videos um, and then trying to figure out the science behind it a little bit. Right. And... Uh, finally I started writing jokes and visiting like open mics here in Austin and then I started doing it and it was was, like the first first open mic I did I remember my bit that I did was (laughs) about my uh, I lost my virginity how I lost my virginity I told the story of how I lost my virginity and at the end um, I remember I got a a few laughs from the people at the bar and and a couple of the bartenders there Mm -hmm. And so I took it. Like, I was like, all yeah. right. Like, you, yeah. I had a couple of people laughing. I'm going <laughs> to run with this sucker. Um, also, the the thing that kind of turned into this was that I morphed into the production side because I quickly realized that to do stand-up, you have to be made a certain way. And I just felt like um, I wasn't at a certain place in my life where it was good for me to put in that type of work. Oh, um, yeah. No, I, I understand that. Yeah. yeah. And so with a family and, and still running a business and everything, I was like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn, uh, I'm gonna turn this into more of a production. But before I did that, I started producing shows because, one, I understand businesses. Two, I've, I've thrown events on before. So I knew how to do this. So I was just like, I'll do this myself. And a lot of um, comedians don't know how the business side runs. Right. That's why there's agents and that's why there's managers. Yeah. Um, so I actually took matters into my own hands being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I started opening up my own open mic so I could get more time on there and control it. Uh, then I started produ- producing live shows because I had friends who wanted to see me actually do comedy. Yeah. And so I was like, hey... I'm just going to bring comedy to the people because all my friends lived in the burbs that we live in. Yeah. And so, and there's really no comedy shows out in no. Leander at the time. And so I found a brewery. Um, they had, they could fit about a hundred people outside and uh, we worked out a deal, did the first show, sold a hundred tickets. Dang. So it sold out. Actually had so much that people wanted to get more tickets, but we couldn't offer it because of the fire code. Right. So we sold it out. We sold tickets for like average was like $17 a ticket. Dang. Um, so we made a pretty good amount of money, but I pumped in money to advertisements right. and stuff like to that get to get people there. there. But like a, a fourth of the crowd was my friends. The rest were people I had no idea that lived in the area. And um, so it worked, and I was like, great. And I was able to pay the comedians, all the comedians, because I had like, I think six comedians on there. Plus, Dang. I got to do like five minutes on Right, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, we did another show, 
did about 85 people that time. Um, then we had a little bit of a hiatus because of the holidays. Plus, um, I got busy with work with my marketing company. Okay. And then, uh, um, and, and so I, I went on hiatus, kind of put it on pause for a little bit. And then I kept on getting signs. Like people were like, hey, you should do this again. You should do this again. It was middle of 2019. And so I was like, all right, cool. And I just was like, screw it. I'm not going to do any stand-up, though. I'm just going to get other people to do it. And I'm just going to produce the show. It'll take less stress off of me. Because actually, for me to do the comedy and produce the show, it was so much work. And I got more nervous about actually doing the comedy than I did doing the production side of yeah. it. So, um, I, so I did it that way. Again, started doing really well. And at the end of, toward the end of 2019, I decided... I was going to go into comedy full-time, comedy production full-time, mm-hmm. and I was going to make that leap. And my first big show was Dean Del Rey um, at March 7th, 2020. Um, so it was literally a week before Dang. the world shut down. Wow. And uh, obviously, ticket sales didn't do as well as I wanted it to. Right, we right. had about 110 people there. The show was great. Dean was awesome. Other comedians were fantastic. Uh, but we were. I missed about a third of the crowd. Right. So um, at that moment, I w- the company I was running for the pro- production side was called Money in the Bank Productions. I decided to morph it into or, or transition into because of COVID and er- after everything kind of hit, um, I decided I was going to be like, you know what, let me see how things kind of transpire through this. And so once we started figuring out like the stimulus checks and the PP loans and, and all this other stuff, I was like, you know what, screw it. We're actually kind of comfortable right now. We, I'm going to go into this comedy thing full time and we're going to do it online for right okay. now. We're going to build a media company off of this. And so more and more people started, we started doing it with our first show, which was called In the Meantime. And more and more people, they saw it, they wanted to get involved. And, and so I always see that as a good sign. Yes. When you're doing something well and somebody and people yeah. want to join you, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And so we were doing that and it was great because the two, two things we wanted to do. One, we wanted to accomplish to help bring people laughter during these troublesome times, right? right? The, the other thing is wanted to provide an outlet for comedians. Um, but the shows that we did weren't stand-up Zoom, call, uh, Zoom shows. I hate... I don't say hate a lot, but I really hate yeah. slide, like Zoom yeah, comedy shows. Yeah. I've, I've tuned into one. Yeah. And, oh, dude, doesn't. It's rough. Doesn't translate. It's you, just, it sucks. It sucks yeah. for the comedian and it yeah. sucks, honestly, for the audience too. It's just not the same. No. You might as well just record someone yeah. doing comedy in front of a mirror and then trying to put it up on like, yeah. YouTube. Like, is this the same fucking thing? You're not going to get any laughs from it. <laughs> Um, it's so awkward. It is awkward, man. So, so we made it a, a thing not to do that. That's smart. And Very we smart. did. We still had comedians run it. We still had comedians on as guests. But it was like one show was the in the meantime, which was kind of like a game show, and it was still very funny. Then mm-hmm. we had like a variety show where we made comedians come on there and do everything but stand up. So, <laughs> uh, like one guy did cooking lessons, like what to make with leftover hot dog buns, and he like made three dishes with it. <laughs> um, same guy ended up doing like, um, uh, what did he do? Uh, Josh Firestein out of uh, Tacoma, Washington. He oh he washed he showed us how to wash a cat how to give a cat cat a bath, um, which is very highly entertaining yeah. by the way. Sounds um, like it. <laughs> with like Tremaine Bradley did one where he um, he sang uh, "Trapped in the Closet" by the Isley Brothers, and so he did like a reenactment of that yeah. and, and sang it and it was hilarious. 
Um, so we had like a ton of different people come on there. It was a lot of fun. That's pretty creative. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's different. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, man. And it was fun. And, and at one point, we had like 10 shows up. Um, but things towards the tail end of 2020, things started to get like people were getting um, just like stagnant. They were getting bored yeah. with it. I think they were just over one. They were bored of being inside all the time mm-hmm. to like being on the screen all the time. So it was just like we, we started to pull it back a little bit. And then we were also given an opportunity where things were opening up. And I saw more and more people that I knew that were putting on shows in like Texas. Right. And I was like, oh man, should we throw our hat in the ring and start to kind of get back to this stuff? But I was like, if we do this, we got to do it the right way. And so we started to look at venues and um, I looked at Stubbs, which is funny. Right. Um, looked at Stubbs, it didn't work out. But uh, in that process, Sarah Fleming, who works with us, who's been a big help, um, she uh, she's friends. What she, she is friends with Nick, who's the owner of Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. And he posted on Facebook, uh, "I'm looking to do some comedy shows and blah blah blah." Wow. Because Vulcan has they were closed for eight months during the oh pandemic. wow yeah, and and before that they and and they still are the largest venue for EDM EDM in Austin. Yeah. And so, but because of COVID and because of the limited capacities and everything, he had to pivot. He had to offer more things. And so he couldn't just rely on EDM shows anymore. Right. Um, so he threw his hat in the ring with possibly doing comedy and a few other things. Mm-hmm. And so when I talked to him, we just worked out a really great deal. I told him what we were um, capable of and what we could do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let's do it. I'm all in. And so uh, we put in, we scheduled like four shows the first three shows were a little light. The fourth show was Craig Conant. Um, he Craig, sold. Craig's hilarious. Yes, yeah, so funny, man. And he sold out. He brought Ali Mikovsky as his feature. Wow. And between the two of them, I'm uh, they sold out about a hundred people at the time. Wow. And it was it was a great show. That the the very next show was really what put us on the map. We did a show. I think it was like a week later, less than a week later. It was a Wednesday. And it was a one-off night, and it was Tony Hinchcliffe. He okay. came to headline. Yeah. And and I strategically I knew, like, if we could get Tony in Austin, knowing that Joe just moved here, yeah. there was a high possibility that we could possibly get Joe to come out. Right. So it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Because the day of the show, I got a text message. I got a call, a voicemail from Tony. It was yeah. like, Brandon, this is Tony Hinchcliffe, you know. <laughs> I got my uh, the great and powerful uh, Ron White. It wants to come by. Where can he park his tour bus on Sixth oh. Street? And I was like, Sixth uh, Street. I don't know where the you fuck you're can. gonna park it. Yeah. And so we we kind of were working through that situation and we jumped on it. And then I got a call or I got a text message like, and uh, two hours later, be like, Hey, Joe's coming by too. He's like, where can he park? And so we're like, everybody's like jumping on it. We know right. that we have Ron White, Tony Hinchcliffe, and Joe Rogan. That's crazy. And so <clears throat> sure enough, no one else knew this uh, that was coming in the show. They just knew Tony was going to be there. Right. And right. he sold out the show. He had 143 tickets sold, um, which is pretty much capacity. Uh, well, capacity is a little bit larger than that. But that, like from how we set up with tables and stuff, it was it was it was sold out. And so he came, did the show, Joe's first time doing stand-up in Austin, uh, Ron's first time doing stand-up since COVID. Yeah. And like, I, so I was, I mean, I, obviously I wasn't involved in any of that, but obviously listening to the JRE, you yeah. kind of hear a little bit of that stuff. And so I guess Joe Rogan had Ron White on and mentioned that Tony was doing a show that night. So I was like, oh, that's strange. And then I swear to you, the next day I saw the pictures of 
them at the Vulcan and I was like, what? Yes. So it like, it hit and it was right away. It was like a huge, yeah. huge deal to like the consumer. Well, that that day of the show, Tony. Scoot a little closer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that day of the show, Tony Perfect. did the JRE. Yeah. And so they talked about it on there. He was like, I'm going to be at the Vulcan. Crazy. Blah, blah, blah. And since then, we Vulcans got mentioned quite a bit on JRE. Yeah. Um, also, Joe has Joe and Ron and Tony have all come very regularly. Like you can see, Tony's been there probably like seventeen times now since he right. moved here. Uh, Joe's been there, I don't know, like six or seven, maybe more. He was there twice last week mm-hmm. um, on Thursday and, and Saturday. And uh, Ron is kind of comes whenever he pleases, but yeah. he, he, he's great too. So they're they're amazing. And, and Joe jumped on stage on Saturday and was and and this you know really made me feel good. Where he's like, you know, we've been at Vulcan a number of times. We kind of this is like our adopted home. Yeah. And when he said that, I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Oh, that's because, crazy. Because what we try to do with the the shows that we run is to make it very com- comedian friendly mm-hmm. right like we want them to feel fr- like feel comfortable there we want them to have a good time and so like even on thursday last week joe stayed in the joe everybody who was there all the comedians they stayed in the green room till like 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning i was i was by far gone at that wow. time but they were just hanging out drinking having a good time shooting the shit yeah and that's kind of like what they did yep in the comedy store at and in LA, and so they just they just needed another place for that. Mm-hmm. And so Joe, you know, Joe has said it, and he will. He is opening up his own club. Right. Um. We don't know exactly when, but or where. Uh. But he, uh, you know, and when that happens, I'm sure that'll kind of transition into it, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like just to be able to be that adopted home for them right now yeah it's just like the biggest honor in the world man yeah especially since you just like you said you just jumped into this like less than five years ago like a year ago right pretty well, much a year ago. the bigger year. shows yeah it's been since october which was a couple you know, months six months ago yeah yeah that's pretty impressive because whenever i met you i reached out to you on instagram yeah a while back asking you to do video work and yeah I I thought you guys were like had been established and had been there for a while and like COVID kind of slowed you guys down but you were yeah. picking back up. I had no idea you were like kind of just starting because that was that was recent. Like yeah, and it's super impressive, man. It's like quick turnaround and that's like well. So this is how I I see it is like we I've been prepped mm. for this moment. Yeah, right. Like everything that has happened in my life has led me up to this exact moment, and. Like everybody, any like entrepreneur success story you hear, there's a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. A lot more downs than there's ups. Right. To at least to get to that point where you feel like you're successful or mm-hmm. you're getting to that point. And that's where I feel I'm at right now. Like to be honest with you, like um, during COVID, because I went all in with uh, the comedy stuff and the online things, we weren't making really money at all. Actually, mm-hmm. I was paying out more. I was paying out more money than we were making. We had a couple sponsors at one point, but really everything was coming out of my own pocket from right. the savings and stuff that we had saved up. And my wife has been great through that. But um, things started to dwindle down. Like that was also kind of why we wanted to get into the live stuff is that to right. start to generate some revenue. I had no idea what was going to happen though, but. At, and I remember I, I had to make some money and I refused. I, I feel so strongly about this is the path 
that I'm supposed to go down mm -hmm. to make it big and to change the world that I committed 110%. Just like comedians do when they commit to being a comedian, yeah. they scrap and scrounge and do whatever they need to make ends meet until they hit a success level where they can actually start making money from their, their profession right. and their art. Yeah. And so I did the same thing, man. Like I was all in and at the tail end of 2020, um, our, our money was getting a little bit tight. Mm -hmm. And so I started to drive DoorDash. I was mm -hmm. doing DoorDash, man. And like, and I was doing DoorDash as we were getting things up. And I'm, I was doing DoorDash all the way up until actually the end of December of 2020. And so I was on the phone with like people like Tony Hinchcliffe, text messaging them, talking to agents, yeah. slip sliding deals for the rest of the year, doing all these cool, crazy stuff. But I'm still driving around, dropping yeah, people's Subway fucking in food. The back, yeah, right? exactly, yeah, man. Ch Chipotle, <laughs> like all that shit, dropping stuff off at people. But I made it fucking work, and I was hustled. And and I have to say, like once January kicked off, I didn't have to do that anymore. Yeah, because we got shows rolling. I thought about it this way: is like, yeah, I could spend my time going out and driving and making X amount of dollars mm -hmm. doing that, or I could put more efforts into these shows and do it on an ongoing basis. And even if we got, even if we just, even if it was like the show didn't make a whole lot of money, still was enough money, more money than I probably would have done if I spent time doing like DoorDash yeah. or something else. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. So it just worked out. And now like, you know, like money's coming nicely where we are able to really just, it's not like I'm not even taking I'm making ends meet just to survive and, and take care of my family. But it's more so we're pumping all the money back into Big Laugh Comedy right. to grow it. Like we have large goals, very large goals. Good. And one of them being opening our own comedy venue. Okay. And so we're in the process of going through that. Yeah. Um, find a spot here in Austin. And then it starts there. And then everything just kind of it goes from there. Exactly. It grows. Yeah. And that's, yeah. The, that's the key to like anything and that's kind of what i'm in a season of right now is figuring out what that is that i want to do that i want to go 110 percent in yeah and then there's just so many things that you know just like you you know like as an entrepreneur like i, I do my own photo video stuff currently right now uh -huh. and then i like comedy too so i'm like oh man there's like a bunch of stuff but it, it's beautiful that you understand the fact that comedians uh aren't always treated the way they should be yeah and you, you have that insight and that foresight on like how it is to be a comedian. Uh, and then you like just show love to them and you make it as beautiful as you can for them. That's probably why Joe said that in the first place, mm -hmm. you know, is because he, he truly feels like the people he's surrounded with at this venue are like are just all in and truly there to help. And yeah, for the yeah, people. You're right, man, because like so my I think I have a unique perspective is where like I'm, I'm not necessarily like I was I tried comedy. Right. I, I wouldn't call myself a comedian. Right. Um, and there are other comedians who are trying to be operators too, which I don't think works. I think you have to focus on one or the other, right? Yeah. And so um, I'm I'm a fan first and foremost. Yeah. Like every person that I book to come out to the shows, I literally like their comedy. Yeah. I'm a fan of their comedy. And and there's other characteristics and, and situations why we figure out who's good fit for what we're doing right now mm -hmm. as far as a, like booking comedians. But it starts with if they're funny or not, mm -hmm. right? There are some people out there I don't find funny and they're bigger names and I still won't bring them, you know? Yeah. And, and because I, I have to like them. But at the same time, like I, I talked to Joe, uh, one like decent conversation I've had Joe, with Joe in the, in the green room uh, 
he, we were talking about kind of the venue and he was mentioning certain things and kind of like acoustics and just for providing feedback, which I love. Like comedians come in, they give us feedback and I'm like, let's test it out, right? Like, let's see if it makes it better. If it makes the experience better, by all means, let's, let's do it. Yeah. And so, but Joe was like, he, he asked me, he's like, he's like, what do you do here? I was like, I book uh, all the shows, you know, I do all the comedy shows. And I said how I, and I mentioned in the conversation how, um, uh, that Vulcan does EDM as well. And he's like, well, why don't you do like music or EDM or any of this other stuff too? I was like, comedy is my life, man. I'm like, I love comedy. Like that's my passion. Like I don't want to do anything. Else. Eventually I think maybe like music would be cool to do. Cause we've done some stuff where like comedy and music mixed together. Mm-hmm. Um, which, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We did a show with David Lucas called, he has a show with uh, keys, John, um, his nickname is Keys, but he's uh, one. Of, he's a keyboardist for Gary Clark Jr.'s band, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so he also is uh, kind of the head of the band that they also do the Kill Tony show at right. Antones. And so David Lucas uh, has brought them out a couple times to do two shows at Vulcan, and he brought this last, not this last Sunday, the Sunday before, they did call it Big Ass Comedy Jam. And they Solid, had like Ricky yeah. Duran there who was playing the guitar. He's from The Voice. Um, and he, he, they were all killing it. And it was cool. It was like music mixed with comedy. And we're going to be doing that on an ongoing basis oh, now. So cool. Every Sunday, every other Sunday, um, starting actually this Sunday, March 21st. Um, so, and then if, you know, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's, it's cool, man, because it's like a mixture. It's like, comedy with music and then they even had this guy uh chris um rogers i think is his last name he's a local artist okay he was on the side and he was painting yeah. a picture a mural of patrice o'neill oh that's so which cool. was so dope man so you had you, all these they that off what happened to uh that? someone bought it one of the oh, the people good. there bought it off of chris at, at the show i saw that on y'all's instagram that looked, yeah. looked cool it was man it was super cool actually chris is gonna be coming out every thursday now and painting nice. during the shows on Thursdays, so uh, it, it's just like it's just cool to like mix all the art and like bring in different communities. Because yeah. like at the end of the day, art is art, mm-hmm. comedy is art, music's art. Like it's all if you can bring all those arts together, it's a really fun experience. Yeah, very unique. It is, man. That's so unique, man. Yeah. But I love shit like that, and that's why I like I work with a lot of people yeah. because David Lucas like motherfucker is a grinder like he works his ass off you'll see if you follow him on instagram he's here he's there he's flying all over the place he'll do something in miami come back next thing you know he's here in austin then he's back in la doing something else blah blah, blah. he's all, all over the place but yeah that, like he's funny he grinds it out and then he's also very creative and he's an entertainer he was the one that kind of pulled all this together and to be honest with you like i've thought about doing these things um in the past but he was the one that kind of brought it to fruition right with his show and it's just fun to like see all this kind of come together, That's and then so cool. the audience loves it too, man. It's it, like you said, it's a unique experience. Yeah, the Vulcan has a really cool stage. It's like a half stage, half catwalk. There's like a little section where you can walk forward if you're the the performer, and it's so cool. Yeah, I love how it's like slightly elevated. Everybody can see. There's an upper balcony. You could definitely tell it's like an EDM type place. But yeah. y'all, I saw that y'all took the like the DJ set off which yeah. makes it look a little bit better in my opinion but yeah it helps well, a little bit it, it gives you more room um yeah and then it's more of like a traditional kind of stage because mm-hmm. then instead of the catwalk we just extend the stage out a little yeah. bit with those those platforms and so that stage is all completely custom made 
And so that little DJ booth that's kind of there because they're EDM, it makes sense for mm-hmm. them to do it. But right. when we have like bands on Sunday, we, we take those off yeah. and it really works well. That's awesome, man. Yeah. What's your, uh, so I know that you guys obviously do it at the Vulcan and you do a little bit in San Antonio. Where mm-hmm. do you guys, where do you guys do that stuff? I, I follow Davey. I know Davey's pretty involved in Big Laugh and, uh, yeah. Davey Bray basically runs the show down in San Antonio. Mm. Um, Davey has been a godsend. Like I remember, Davey was actually one of the first people to start producing shows when COVID, when things started opening up. Yeah. He was doing it in San Antonio. He did like drive-in shows and a few other things. And um, I remember when he was first doing it, he reached out for like some marketing help, and I kind of gave him the tips that what we were doing and what we saw that worked. Yeah. And so he was very appreciative. We just got to talking. And we just clicked. Like. He's a he's a hustler, man. He like he works his ass off, and, yeah. And I'm I'm a workhorse too, so like you'll see, like I I work my butt off, man. Yeah. And, and people who are around me, they see it. Um, and and Davey, I feel like is the only person I've felt that could kind of keep up with my pace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it, sometimes he'll like I feel like he'll outdo me, and then it kind of motiv- motivates me to yeah. do more. It's like that friendly competition, yeah, in, like, man. The, in a beneficial way. Exactly. Davey's hilarious though, bro. He's, he's uh, funny. Davey's a comedian. Uh, I met him. I did interviews for you guys. Like I recorded the interviews, and he was one of the interviewers. Uh, he, he's a. I've never met a guy like him. He's so funny, man. He's he is nonstop. Funny. He's unique, man. He's a. He's a cool cat. Um, he's got a great story. Yeah, I'm trying to get him on here. Yeah, yeah. Here. You should, out. man. Um, I, I whenever he comes back down here, I've been trying to like persuade him to come down here to do some more stuff. But like. Uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll he'll come on the show. Yeah, um, but he's, he's uh, great too. We, we talked about it a little bit. He said he's down. He just you know he lives in San Antonio. It's yeah. kind of a drive, so let's gotta figure it out. But yeah, maybe it's a thing where he comes down for like a show or something like that, or yeah, we put yeah. him on for five minutes, and then he has an excuse to come down here a little bit earlier. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. What What is your um, so with this comedy venue that you're hoping to get and start on your own? What mm-hmm. is your goal with that? Or like, do you have like a set date you're looking to start that? Or yeah. So uh, the goal is about to end of summer to get and okay. get things up and running. Oh, wow. Like it, we're not in a huge rush because we got things rolling with Vulcan and yeah, it's like, well. Yeah, it's, it's it's a nice we have a nice flow and so. Um, but the problem is, is that like we are building up this momentum and I have really strong relationships with the comedians and agencies, um, that we book comedians for yeah. that they want these comedians, bigger name comedians want to come through Austin mm-hmm. and they want to play spe- specifically play Vulcan, right. but they want a weekend and we have to compete. Like, so typically how we run is that like saturday friday and saturdays we have to share with the edm djs yeah i I noticed that so we're not able to do two shows in one night because Mm -hmm. typically for like a two show in one night you want like a 7 30 time slot with a 10 10 p.m for the late show Mm -hmm. um and we're just not able to offer that right now and it, it really is kind of hindering us both from a revenue standpoint but also from um, what we can offer the comedians right and if there's gonna be heavy competition coming up like we are probably gonna see about five comedy clubs open up in austin right by the end of Which the year insane. yeah cap, cap city's opening back up right they're opening back up uh and <laughs> cap city is uh interesting people man 
Um, they, they run an interesting operation and they're no longer really owned by the original owners of Cap City. Mm -hmm. uh, Helium, which is a larger yeah, uh, yeah. club, they bought up most of that. The, most wow. of that. And so they run a, a very interesting um, operation too, where it's, it's kind of like if you don't play one of our clubs, you won't play any of our clubs type deal. Oh, uh, so they're like kind of... They kind of trying to arm. monopolize. Yeah. yeah, well, they try to strong arm comedians and agencies, and and for like a, a business perspective, like if you're gonna play one club versus playing, you know, nine clubs, yes, it makes sense. But at the same time, like if you come to headline in Austin, you want to drop in somewhere else. They're like they're pretty much no. So and they put a twelve month. What I've heard is they put a twelve month uh, radius clause, meaning that you can't play the area for twelve months. Um, which is just bad business. And Cap City has an interesting history where for 35 years that they've been in Austin, they've run a monopoly here. Yeah, they Where have. I've heard behind closed doors is, again, what I've heard from the, the community. And, and I've never had personal interactions with them on a business perspective. I know I've attended comedy shows at Cap City. Yeah, me too. But, like, from a behind-the-scenes perspective, comedians have said that they're, like, they really just run a monopoly. It's like if you try to do something that competes against them, they're gonna blacklist you. Yeah. And, and so it's just like, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense. It's bad for the community. Um, that is bad for the community. And, and, and you know, and like, I, I, and, but at the same time, I'm a competitor, right? Like I, I got a call from an agency and an agent. was like, Brandon, um, I'm gonna tell you off the record, but like, if anybody, and, and I'm, I'm going to say this because, like, they're not, I'm not naming them or whatever. Yeah, no names. But they said that if Cap, Cap City has told us, or Helium, however you want to say it, has told us that if anyone has a working relationship with Helium already, comedians have a working relationship, if they play Vulcan, they're going to no longer have a working relationship. They are not allowed to play Vulcan. And I was like, holy shit. They're like, they feel so threatened by us. <laughs> they are, they're literally trying to block other comedians. Yeah. To play there, to play with us. Sort of a compliment, but also kind of like a back-end compliment. Yeah, it's a back-end compliment for sure. And, yeah. But I take it, I'm like, ooh, like, yes. Like, <laughs> give me all that. Like, I'm here for all that smoke, man. Yeah, like, bring that shit, dude. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm making a personal vendetta of mine to, uh, to, to compete, right? Like, yeah, I think healthy competition is good, but when you're going to play like that, then there's going to be certain consequences that yeah. come of it, and they're not going to be able to sustain that. They are not. They're not be able to sustain that type of um, yeah. business ethics, in a sense, mm -hmm. of what they're doing with people. They're not going to be able to maintain that because of the heavy competition that's coming up in Austin. Yeah, I agree. So, which is good. Like, I think that's great. Um, some of the other people that are opening up clubs or like the Romo room that's currently open yeah. that they run out of the brass tab, they run a really nice operation over there. And I know the guys who are running uh, Creeks and Creeks and Cove. Um, okay. uh, Rachel's coming from New York. They moved down here. Um, they run a really nice operation over there. Marty and uh, Colton are two local comedians. Well, Marty is not originally from here, but um, they're they're nice guys, you know. Like and and so um, I think that'll do well. And then there's a few other things that are kind of coming up as well. Like I've heard there's a Sunset um, Boulevard, which is another comedy club that's already it's a, it's a club slash comedy club okay and so you know we'll see how everything kind of transpires but like we we've we're doing our job we're continuing to move forward like yeah. all you can do is focus on yourself really exactly like you can hear about this and i i even try to kind of like tunnel vision myself mm -hmm. i almost to the point don't really want to hear what other people are doing because i just focus on me 
like focus on me and what we're doing yeah. as a company with B- BLC. Like that's the only thing I can control. Yeah, I can't control what other people are doing, but I can control on how good our operations are running, how well the comedians like it, yeah. how much fun the, the, the crowd is having. Yep. That's the only thing I can control at this point. So it's like, who gives a shit like really what these other people are saying? We're yeah. just going to continue to move focus. And if you're focused on them, then you're obviously not going to do as well on your own. But it's going to hinder your exactly. abilities and your capabilities. Exactly. Yeah. So with Big Laugh, what is your like, do you have any like long-term goals? Like, what Yeah, you- so a Big Laugh Comedy is a me- comedy media company. Media company. We are not just like a venue. We will have venues. Yeah. Um, but we are going to be much more than that. You know, we did interview videos with you. Um, I'm meeting with uh, Bobby, who's going to come on and be kind of like our editor, editor in chief with our publication side of things. Um, we're going to be producing content on an ongoing basis. So um, there's a lot of things that you're going to come up, and we're going to hit every demographic from top to bottom. And really, like I guess the best way to describe it, um, it because there's nothing like this right now, right? Like there's no offline no. and online kind of combination of things. Yeah. And nothing that really has come into the comedy world or comedy industry and want to disrupt, disrupt it. There's a lot of things that we have that is going to flip the, the the industry on its head. Yeah. And I'm not going to go into details yeah, just because, you know, I don't want too many people getting <laughs> in wind of what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you're going to see big things coming from us in the next year, two years, three yeah. years. Good, it's man. Gonna be big stuff, I, bro. Dude, I love, I love it when people disrupt industries. Yeah. That's one of the coolest things about just the free market we have and like the ability to create your own business and the creativity you have within that. It's just so cool when you see somebody just flip something on its head and just destroy it and yeah. in the best way possible, which is what you guys are doing. Yeah. It's dope. It's really about, to me, it's it's really about giving the power back to comedians. You yeah. Know, things that resonate. I mean, I always had this philosophy from the beginning when we started doing stuff in, in uh, during COVID with the digital uh, media stuff online. Mm. But, uh, even like the the message also resonated really strongly when uh, the video for Dave Chappelle came out it was called Unforgiven. I don't know if you yeah, saw that. Yeah. Um, he had a couple stories in there, and one of the stories was you know talking about how uh, he was on the streets. I forgot it was like New York, or whatever, and they were doing the the cards. Yeah, yeah. And the guy taught him. He's like, never fuck with somebody else's money. Yeah. It's like one of the lessons he learned, and then he told this other story, and Dave's just like the epitome of a storyteller, yeah. like the best storyteller Insane. of all time, and and then he goes in to say, talk about how. Uh, Comedy Central screwed him out of his own name. And and he didn't know any better that he trusted these agents to sign the contract. And he was young and dumb and just trying to make some money. Needed the money, yeah. And uh, little did he know that if he walked away because he was unhappy, which he was at that point, um, that he was going to lose his name. He lost his name. He didn't have the rights to his name. That's crazy. So to me, it's like, why should people even get to that point, right? Like, that's my thing is the, the control the, the control and the power should be in the comedian's hands. They need the help because they don't understand the business side. They don't want to run the day-to-day operations. They just want to focus on comedy. Mm-hmm. But they should still have that power in their hands to say, I want to do this. I want to do that. This is what I own. If I'm going to put out my, my blood, sweat, and tears and work, I should be getting paid for it and paid yeah. for it handsomely. You know, and stuff along those lines. And fortunately, there's some circumstances where they don't do that. They don't get that. Mm-hmm. And I, I personally, so this is, if, like, we did a show, and I remember, uh, I forgot who it was, 
but I believe we ended up making more money on our end from the ticket sales than the comedian. I felt bad, and I was like, listen, I want to give you more money. I'm like, this, we're going to give you more money. And we gave them more money. That's awesome. Um, and, and it was because like I can't sleep at night thinking that like they're the ones who are really doing the art. They're the yeah. ones selling the tickets. And I'm like, we're just doing the marketing, which is putting the name out there. But yeah. it's their brand, their, their art that's drawing people in. We're just helping to, to kind of get people to notice this stuff yeah. and, and help sell it. And, and so, you, I mean, we're putting in work, so we should get paid for it. But at the same time, they should be making more of the money. Yeah, and I agree. so and that's how I see it, and and I and I admire because I again I've been through what they're going through. Yeah, I've been through like questioning yourself, you know, the ups and downs, and should I be doing this, and the hustle, and the late nights, and the stress, and all that stuff. Man, it's it's not easy. Like yeah. it is not an easy thing to go through because comedians are entrepreneurs, plain and simple. They are, and if if you've been an entrepreneur and you've made it or you've gotten to that level of success where you're like, hey, I feel like I've hit my goals, mm-hmm. you know that type of struggle you have to go through to get to that point. Yeah, and it's not easy, and they should get paid for right. getting to that point. That, that reminds me of a quote uh, I heard from Jordan Peterson. Uh, he said he was talking to somebody about you know how he because he like it's pretty recent that he was discovered you know quote unquote, mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, it took me ten years. To become an overnight success yeah so and that like i was like whoa that's pretty deep because everybody says that exactly yeah. it's, it's, that's so, the grind that's so, yeah like if you if you ever read like kevin hart has a great book the first book that he put out is his story and if you get a chance if anyone gets a chance re- read or listen to that book mm-hmm. because i actually highly recommend listening to it on audible because he narrates it so oh, it's okay. highly entertaining okay when you listen to him tell his own story yeah um but Kevin Hart talks about this stuff, and then like he talked about how he he had a little bit of success and blah blah, blah and then went back. But he same way he's like it took me ten years to get to an overnight success. Yeah, that's what everybody says, man. It's just like it's like that ten year tipping point. Honestly, I've been doing entrepreneurship for like over fifteen years. Yeah, and I never really felt like I've done some pretty cool stuff in my career, but I've never felt like a really level of success up until this point. Yeah. And what I believe it is is that you have to find that right path. Yeah. Like you like you're younger, right? Like mm-hmm. what are you like in your twenties or something? Twenty three, yeah. Okay. Oh shit, you're young as fuck, man. Yeah. So you got all the time in the world. But tw- you're twenty three, man, like you have plenty of time to figure out what you want to do. Yeah. This could be it or it could be something else. Yeah. This could be leading up to what you are supposed to be doing. Yeah. But you don't know that. You just have to go through these these hills and journeys and, and kind of feel what, what you feel is the right path. Right. And take it down and see where it goes. Yeah. That's all you can do. Because you don't know what the future lies. No. You know? Yeah, exactly. But I think when you do get to the point where you feel like you're you're this is your purpose, mm-hmm. you will feel it in your heart, man. Right. You right. will. That's I felt so cool. it. I've gotten so emotional. I've been more emotional over the last like <laughs> eight months with going through all this stuff. Like, I remember after like our first couple shows and and like Joe coming on the show and uh, being at Vulcan and all this stuff. I like I would go out and do hikes because I like to do hikes and get out in nature and just kind of think through things 
um, from a strategic standpoint. But man, I could I could just see our future. I could see the vision of where we were going. Yeah. It was never more clear of where my life was going. Like, you ever like you know how people talk about like self help or like you know um, you know gurus and all this stuff where they're like visualize where yeah. you're going. Yeah, yeah. Visualize. I've tried my entire life to try to visualize where the fuck I wanted to go <laughs> and where I was supposed to be at. And it wasn't until this last eight months that I could clearly see where I was going and what I wanted to do. Right. And that only takes to where you're actually supposed to be. Like that I think that that well not just the passion, but like once you're in that right path, then yeah. you can finally see where you're supposed to go. But if if you're not there, okay. there's too much shit clogging yeah. it up that you're not really in that that right path. So yeah. You know, so it's 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 a fun ride, man. Like, Dude. I think the best thing is you just got to run with, you got to take. So I believe that the universe gives you signs, mm-hmm. right? That gives you signs, gives you opportunities, and when it's presented to you, you just got to go down those paths that yeah. you feel like is the right path, yeah. And it'll lead you to wherever you're supposed to go. No, that's that's so true, man. I believe that too. I believe you know that doors are open and shut for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I believe that whenever you do something to the fullest of your ability and you you do have that passion and you kind of see the path even though it's a little scary to take that first step sure once you take that step it, it's it's all over from there it's it like it, you find it and then you the ball just gets rolling like you said i'm young i have so much time to search for that and look yeah. for it but this is like you know i love this so Good. we'll see we'll see where this takes me i'm going to keep doing it until i can't anymore but yeah uh going back to the comedian stuff man i believe that when you do things not for like your own selfish gain, but for the benefit of others, mm-hmm. which is your whole goal with this whole comedy media stuff, and dude, I believe that's that's part of the reason why you're having so much success. It's because none of it is for you or for your name or for you know Brandon Big Laugh Comedy to be on the billboards or anything. It's it's to help the comedians, it's to help people laugh, especially during COVID. You know, yeah. like people need this more than ever. They Absolutely. need outlets they need to laugh they need to freaking smile and have joy in their hearts and that's why i'm so attracted to comedies because i mean i'm a i'm a prankster man i like i like joking around with people i love it and that's why i can kind of see that as a path for me but until i get deep in it i'm never gonna know you know and it's yeah right now i'm personally i'm struggling with that first step because i'm i'm in my room i write jokes i'm like i'm trying to get i've told myself i have a goal before i turn 24 in june I want to do at least one to two open mics just to see. Just go do it, man. Yeah, man. It's like, but it's like that first step is like the hardest thing. So, yeah. uh, it's beautiful that you're doing it not for your own personal gain, dude. I really respect that. And, I appreciate that. And man. it's cool because I've seen it firsthand. Like I got to go to a show, and you know, behold, Joe Rogan shows up, and I'm like, dude, they're doing something special here. You can yeah. just feel it, you know. Yeah, I appreciate that. And man. you guys are doing it COVID safe, which is like people, especially in Austin. You know, people are like. Well, maybe not on Sixth Street, the Dirty Six, yeah. but people, you know, people, COVID's still a kind of a big deal over here. It and, is, you know, not for Texas in general, but Austin, Texas, is the place where people are more, uh, yeah, man, know, concerned about it. So it, it's it's a tough thing, you know. Like uh, I'm, I was never like an anti-masker. Mm-hmm. I was never like anti-COVID. I've always believed in it and and believed in like I, I've been worried because. Part of me, like, I want to make these safe events. Yeah. At the same time, it's like, I don't want anyone to get caught. Like, not get caught, but someone to catch right. COVID from one of our events. So we take those precautionary measures for sure. Yeah. And it's all about being safe. But, yeah, man, I appreciate it. Like, I, I, I tell people this all the time. If, like, if I had a billion dollars in the bank and I had no nothing to do with my life, like, I would do this. Like, if I 
if I didn't have to worry about money, I would still be doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think that's – people say that all the time. Like if, if you find something that you're willing to put in as much time and effort as you possibly can and you could still not – and you're happy doing it even if you weren't getting paid. Yeah. That you're in the right place, mm-hmm. and so I, that's where I feel I am. Is that because I would do this all day, every I have yeah. a ball, man. Like hanging out with some of these bigger name comedians, watching comedy on a ongoing basis. I mean, like this week alone, we have six shows and six nights. Yeah, and I don't really like we we had it the first time like two weeks ago, and that was a little grueling, um, just because like uh, it's the first show kind of set the tone. It was uh, right. It was it was a it was a crazy show, but uh, and that kind of like led into the rest of the week. But th- this I figured out like pace yourself, take it easy, yeah. get your rest, don't drink, you know, or don't drink that much and like, <laughs> yeah. that type of stuff. But um, yeah, you got to love what you do, man. And I think you're right. Like if people want to be successful, I think the the biggest people, the most successful companies in the world are the companies that empower others to make money, mm. right? Like yeah. Amazon. It's a marketplace. Yeah. I mean, like it legit is a marketplace. They are just kind of like the middle people. They happen to own some stuff, but like how many people have brands and sell stuff on Amazon and and so forth. And and they're making, people are making billions of dollars. I mean, all right. So for example, I just looked at our tickets for Austin. We sold um, $38,000 in month of February for tickets. Yeah. Okay. $38,000. 70 to 80 percent of that goes back to the comedians wow like we're we're giving you know like what is that i don't know like probably like thirty thousand dollars is being paid out to comedians yeah for a month that's crazy and it's like probably like five different comedians or something like that yeah i want more than that because we have some showcases now but like the majority goes yeah yeah but a majority of it goes back to them and like i'm happy i'm happy to do that because I'm not one. I'm not greedy. It's not. This isn't like a money play for me. Mm-mm. This will produce money, but it's it's going to be enough where everybody can be successful. And I think that's the thing is that you have to look at it is like there's enough money in this world to go around for really everybody. Yeah, you know. And, oh yeah. 100%. And so yeah, you're right, man. I, I appreciate though, like to be recognized for the fact that like it's doing it for other people. It's not just for yeah. myself. Yeah, and I think that's why. I would I would go on a limb and say that's why the majority of comedians do what they do, uh, not really for themselves. I mean, some of them like attention, you know. Some of them from the they do. Some of them love that attention, yes. that spotlight. It's but a therapy though for them too. Exactly, and it, and it's for the other people. Like you can't, no nobody like, obviously the laughs on the stage and like that cheer you get is is a different feeling, like unreplicable. Un, you can't replicate that, right? Yeah. But the the reason that they're like cheering them on is because they've just spent the last hour or thirty minutes or ten minutes just laughing their guts out yeah. you know so like what's relatable to stuff too right yeah. like what they say i mean that's the the key in comedy too is mm-hmm. like you can't tell them to, you can't tell jokes that are unrelatable mm-hmm. like kevin hart has done that a little bit where yeah recently right yeah. whatever because he's just at a different level now well, but. he is man and and i think he's done a better job like i forgot what special was i always forget the name of it but it was the one that he has is like big extravagant background i think it's the one that where he's in the football stadium in, in philadelphia okay and he has this joke i remember and he talks about uh walking down his driveway and it took him like five or ten minutes and he says pitch black and he's like i got this long ass driveway and it's taking me five minutes to pull down all this garbage and my son should bring it in blah 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 <laughs> 
And I was like, dude, that is not relatable. Who has a driveway that takes yeah. you fucking 10 minutes to get down to? That's called rich people problems, yeah, bro. That's... So it's, it's hard to relate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, for like, so for example, for like Dave Chappelle, right? Dave Chappelle is extremely su- successful. He doesn't have, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, but he, he's doing pretty well for himself mm-hmm. right now. And, um, but he's gone through still some struggles, like, mm-hmm. right? Like after the Dave Chappelle or the Chappelle show stuff. And now with the, like the whole thing with, uh, Comedy Central and HBO yeah. Max and Netflix and all this stuff, he's going through some turmoil yeah. and, but it's good. It's good for comedy because mm-hmm. you need that stuff. That's stuff that you can talk about. That's why they like the the special that um, Kevin Hart did, where the, during the pandemic he recorded in his house. The most recent one. Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed because I was expecting him to get a little bit more into his personal stuff, especially things that had happened between the last special and that special. Right. Where like he he went through a car accident broke his back <laughs> yeah. had to rehabilitate yeah, and get back into it and took all this time off like talk about that yeah. man like where is that because people can relate to that shit. yeah but he didn't go into it i was a little disappointed. the only thing man. he referenced about it was the fact that he couldn't wipe his own his own ass yeah you know? but, but that other was than it. that yeah <clears throat> i mean he's so rich he could have somebody else wipe it for him anyway you exactly know? <laughs> <laughs> i mean he probably did too so yeah. um i mean and that's the thing is like comedy has to be relatable and, and yeah, that's why, like, certain characters or certain people don't really work well. Like, I had someone break this down for me. is like, uh, attractive people have a hard time being comedians. Mm-hmm. Because if you're super fucking pretty and you get up there, it's not relatable. That makes sense. Because they don't Already go through the right same... Yeah, they don't go through the same turmoils and struggles yeah. that people who are not as pretty as them yeah. go through you know Shoot, and it's both do like guys and girls like, yeah. it doesn't matter because like guys were pretty too they they get stuff handed to them and they have yeah, experiences and you know they don't have to worry about trying to pick up chicks they don't get nervous talking to girls yeah know? that's true. They, true there's all that stuff man and so see that's another reason why i think i'd be good at it man it's because i'm not that pretty <laughs> not that i don't pretty, know man. man you're regularly ha- handsome you know <laughs> i appreciate it man <laughs> Dang. Um, so, dude, how do you go about, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but how do you go about finding the people that you want to perform? Uh, especially as recently, there's been some names that I, I haven't heard of personally, and I'm, yeah. I'm pretty deep in the comedy world, but, uh, you know, there's been a few that I haven't heard of, and I'm like, oh, like. So, give me an example. Who's one that you haven't I heard of? I can't specifically think okay, of them okay. off the top of my head, but. Uh, do you know Chappelle Lacey? I know, dude. Yes, I okay. listened to Fighter and the Kid like good, good, good. for years with okay. with Brian Callen. And yeah, it's a little different. What are your What are your thoughts on that show now that Brian Callen's not on there? By so, the so all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Be honest, dude. okay. I, I mean, don't I, I doubt listen to as many podcasts as I once used to. Okay, just because I'm not in the mode of oh, of you're consuming. in grind mode. Yeah, I'm in grind mode. Yeah, yeah. I'm like. Put the blinders on, put in my fucking music, <laughs> and let me just like grind the fuck out. Yeah. And so consuming content, like certain things I will listen to. Like when certain guests are on the, the JRE, then I will listen to it because I want to be able to like have a conversation or at least understand. Yeah. You know, do stuff you research, that they're talking right? about. Yeah, do research. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but so, like, I never was really into the fighter and the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually a fan of Brian Callen. And then he went through his shit. Yeah. And I was like, eh, okay. And so, <laughs> but Brendan, uh, I was, uh, I, I've heard him a couple times. Um, 
I happened to actually catch him when he was in San Marcos. Oh, dope. Um, yeah, because uh, the same venue there, we're actually going to start producing shows down wow. there as well. And nice, so I went man. to go check it out because it was their first time doing a comedy show. Yeah. But the place, the Mark down there in San Marcos is beautiful and is perfect for comedy. Wow. Like there literally isn't a bad seat in the house. Oh, that's so cool. I was standing in the very back in the middle and... I still could see Brendan. Like they had screens on the side, which mm-hmm. were really helpful, but um, you didn't really need them. Like you good. could still see him pretty decently from there, and so uh, it was just great. But uh, yeah, I got to see him. He he was funny. What did you think of his comedy? I, I thought it was great, man. Yeah. I thought he was funny. I thought he had some really good jokes. He, yeah, he he does a great job of getting the crowd kind of into it, and, <laughs> and 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 like. So comedy is always supposed to be like a conversation, but it's it's but it's a one sided conversation, yeah, right? Because you can't like they don't want they ask questions they don't really want you to answer yeah. the questions mm-hmm. because it it throws off their beats and the rhythms, and so for them, um, you ha- you have to really stay on point. But he did a great job of just being able to like bring in people, bring in the crowd, talk to them. I thought he was great, man. Yeah. So I'm excited. He's actually, he's coming to Austin. We're bringing him to Vulcan. And so, uh, and this is the thing is like, to me, the biggest compliment is that when we bring in comedians and they like it so much, they tell their friends. And when their friends hear about it, then they request to come here. And so a lot of times now we're getting a lot of people who are reaching out to us to want to play at Vulcan because they heard such great things. Like, We've had Ali Mikovsky there twice. She featured once. She headlined the second time. The coolest thing about Ali when she headlined, she's not like she's not a she's big. She's gonna be huge. If you don't know Ali Mikovsky, you should follow her. She's funny as shit. She is funny. Um, but she came and she sold the place out at like 140 some tickets. And when she came up on stage, there were people going, Ali. And they were like calling her name wow. out. It's coolest fucking thing I saw in the world. Like for a young comedian who doesn't really headline that often. And she's kind of like on the up and up right now. Mm-hmm. But she's just starting to get up there. And because she's starting to get up there, to hear people kind of chant her name, it was so cool to kind of be a part of that experience just a little bit, right? Yeah, like it's not much, but yeah, it was cool. And so Allie is friends with Chappelle. And I, I'm assuming um, Allie said some good things about us. I mean, I know Craig has said a lot of good things about us. Uh, we've gotten quite a bit of referrals from from him and um, Allie, you know, has said, must have said good things to Chappelle because it got, word got back to him. Right. When I saw him, he was like, man, I heard really good things. He's like, this place is great, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, I told him, like, I appreciate that, man. I'm like, we just try to make this really, co- like, comedian friendly and all this stuff. He's like, you're doing a great job. I was like, appreciate it. Next thing you know, Chappelle did two shows, sold out both shows. After the first show, I got a text message from uh, Brendan's agent being like, hey, Brendan wants to come and play the Vulcan. Dang. And he's like, can you do this date? And I was like, we'll make it work. Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll make it fucking work. Mm. So we get it all set up. He's like, That's he's coming in for five shows Dang. in April. Um, it's going to be killer, man. Tickets are already gone on sale and people are starting to buy them up. And Where do they get them? Uh, go to big blcomedy.com. BLcomedy. Yeah, you can see all our comedy shows are up there. Uh, we don't have all of them quite up yet, but most of our shows that are lined up, actually, I should say like half of them aren't up yet, just because mm-hmm. we're bu- we pretty much are booked out till August, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna start moving into the tail end of the fall and winter, and then we'll so start good, booking out to twenty twenty two. How was uh, how was Chappelle's show? He was great. So, um, oh, so you asked about. I'm gonna go back to the original question. Okay. So you asked about like some of the names. Like Chappelle was a, a really, 
He was funny as hell. He was great. I loved him. I think he's a, another one. Like him and Ali, and then like even like Fahim. Um, Fahim yes, Anwar dude. is such a good. So he's funny. He has a character. It's Lance. I forgot his last name. Kanstopoulos. Yeah, yeah. Kanstopoulos. Yeah. That's like how that. I first got introduced to him because he used to do that all wow. the time at the comedy store. And yeah. so I used to follow him. I was like, man, this dude is so funny because his getup. If you've never seen it, <laughs> go, like YouTube, Lance. I think it's yeah. Kanstopoulos. Yeah, Kanstopoulos. And and he he's like this like kind of Greek, like foreign guy. He's got a mullet. He wears a, a wife beater. I guess I don't know if that's PC or not, but whatever. Yeah, it uh, it, it's a, he wears a wife beater and then he dances on stage. Yeah. It's so freaking funny, man. Yeah, I've YouTube that a few times. It's um, so funny. Even on YouTube, that's hilarious. Yeah. Just like that, that stuff right there is just undeniably funny. Absolutely. And so I got first introduced to him. And so I was like, he, he moved here. Mm-hmm. He moved here. And so he's been on a, a ton of shows at Vulcan as well nicest guy in the world nicest guy um but he him Chappelle, ali those are the like the next wave of up-and-coming superstars yeah in the industry. yeah i see that like you'll see them in the next two years they're gonna be taken off yeah um you know they're kind of on the the step right before where like schultz was like andrew oh, like a yeah, year yeah. ago was starting to sell out clubs and stuff like that but like he took it to a whole new level man and like what he did during the pandemic was like like people should learn like they should study that like comedians right. should study what the fuck he did yeah because he took an opportunity and he ran with it mm-hmm. like he could have sat there and sat idle which a lot of comedians did or you could take it take it and create something from it and that's what he did and he yeah. talks about it and the, and he's just a smart dude man the, smart the one thing creative. I have to say if most people don't know this because if you're not really into the comedy world. Most comedians are extremely intelligent. I would say all of them are extremely intelligent. Yeah. They're like, some of them are like borderline, kind of like could be like on the spectrum type deal. (laughs) But like a lot of them are extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes them so good because you have to be smart to be witty, catch things. Yeah be able to figure it out it's not easy man so um but to find the talent you know i i typically will in the beginning i was just finding comedians that i have found either through like watching videos on youtube or listening to podcasts and stuff like that and people that i've just kind of kept an eye on for a while Um, when i first started getting into comedy myself and doing it Back in like four or five years ago, um, you know, I already had like a, a, a string of comedians that I really enjoyed, but they were the bigger names that you've seen the specials and all that stuff, like Eddie Murphy, Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. Um, my dad, I grew up on Bobby Slayton, who's a little bit older, old school guy. Um, you know, I started Aziz Azaria. I saw him in concert in 2018. I saw wow. Joe in 2018. Um, Joe was great. Like it was the first time I ever saw him and do stand up. Like, obviously, everyone knew him from, like, MMA. I knew him from Fear Factor. Fear Factor. That's how fucking old I am. Um, <laughs> That's how I knew him. Yeah. So, it's funny because I, I went to the Chappelle and, and Joe show at, at Stubbs, and um, two of the – two of the there was two kids sitting there, the new Dave. Yeah. They were actually – the one kid was a banker for Dave's bank in whatever town he lived in, in or lives in in Ohio. Yeah. And so, and he, he goes to all his shows. Like, when he can, he'll reach out to Dave. He's like, he's the nicest guy in the world. He's yeah. like, he talks to me like I'm a human being. He wow. treats me with respect. He's like, anytime I wanted to go out and see shows in Ohio, he's like, he would hook me up when they did summer camp for, for Dave. Um, and then when he came out to Austin, the, the two kids moved to Houston. And so the one right. kid would, like, just hit up 
Dave and was like, hey, can I get tickets? And he was like, yeah, no problem. And he hooked him up. Dang. And we sat at the table, and the two of them had never seen Joe. I was talking to him. They had never seen Joe do stand-up. They only knew him from podcasting, right? Right. And that's, I feel like, like people like your generation. Yeah. No, that makes total um, sense. Only know him for podcasting, really. Like, he's the JRE. Like, that's what they know. Um, but his stand-up insane. is really strong. He's a really strong stand-up. His stand-up is super relatable, too. He, he's yeah. super good at, at taking any idea, any concept that he thinks is interesting and just making it, like, very relatable, but also, like... like So, I don't want to give away any of his stuff, obviously, but, like, he's good at making it relatable and... I guess that's all I yeah. that's all I can really say well, without like you know so I watched this one special he had on Netflix before I went to go buy tickets to go see him yeah and I remember I watched it and he had this joke where he talked about dolphins and getting high and stuff like that and then he mentioned like kids too he's like he's like hell yeah I get high with my kids he's like whoever who what better to have a conversation with a five-year-old than being high. Yeah. He's like, you ever have a conversation with a five-year-old? He's like, you better off being high doing that. And it was like, it was, I'm probably murdering it, but it was such a good bit, man. Yeah, I was like, dude. it is very relatable. Yeah. And that's the thing. He's like, Joe, although he's hitting a level of success that most people will never see in their entire life, yeah. he still is very down-to-earth, very humble, and very t- and talks about things very relatable. And that's why that's, it makes him such a good stand-up. And that's why people love his podcast is yeah. because it's just... A conversation and it's it's literally just they're sitting in on the conversation and it's it's never like flashing his money you know especially since he got this huge deal it's like he's yeah. never flashing anything but his knowledge and his curiosity really no. you know so yeah. it's super relatable everything yeah. basically that he does absolutely except for mma obviously but. yeah <laughs> so so to go back to your question like just a little bit um mm-hmm. finding people I started off being by like bringing people that i thought were funny yeah like i was a big fan of kill tony Especially when I first started getting into stand-up four years ago. So Tony Hinchcliffe, I've always wanted to see do stand-up. So a lot of times I'm just like, whoever I want to see that I, maybe I've never seen before, that's kind of who I want to bring here. Yeah. Um, and then I, I'll just do my own research and then people will, other people will put me on to them. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I, you know, I ask the, we also, with Big Laugh Comedy, we also ask what pe- who people want to see. So like smart. we got um you know we had smart. some requests for like Moses Moses Storm okay. uh who who are actually we're gonna bring in the summertime too and so like we just we pull from every source possible and then you know agents also will put us on to people because they're trying to push their clients or whatever and it's cool like like as long as they're funny right like I have to mm-hmm. see their stuff and we kind of have a science of who we pick a good. little bit just right now because of our how our strategy is of who we're bringing in that's good that's um, wise I think yeah. But it, it's 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 fun, man, and like I enjoy like so. For example, we had um, this agency reached out to me, and they're like, "Hey, can you do this person, this person?" Like Chris Catan is one of the clients. They're like, "Hey, can you bring? Can we do Chris Catan?" I was like, "Yeah, absolutely." And uh, from from uh, Night of the Roxbury and Saturday Night Live, if you don't know who Chris Catan mm-hmm. is, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, I first one somebody mentioned it to me, I was like. Chris Kattan, why does the name sound from, so familiar? Because I hadn't heard his name forever. And they're like, yeah, he's actually pretty good stand-up. I was like, all right, cool. So um, we, we were talking about that, but they were like, hey, I, I got an idea that I want to run by you. And they're like, this person went viral. They're actually really good stand-up, um, but they don't have a huge following right now. We're just trying to get him some stage time. And Hannibal Burris is a friend of theirs who is also trying to really help get him on. 
and, and put him up on the scene. And so he'll help Hannibal actually help promote his shows. And I was like, and, he, and they're like, you'll do Hannibal a favor, you do us a favor, you do this guy a favor. And, and so, and you know, and I was like, all right, cool. Like to me, as long as there's the opportunity there and the person's funny, like we'll give them a chance, right? Yeah. Like we'll, oh, we'll put them, you know, put them up. And I want to be able to do more, but that's part of why we're doing what we're doing now because once we can get to that point where people recognize that Big Laugh Comedy is a trusted source for extremely funny, high quality content, then there will be no question about whether they know them or not. Right. They will be willing to buy that ticket just to come knowing that we put them on. Yeah. And and I've gone that already, like with some people. I've gone to the point where we did a we started doing the Death Squad secret shows yeah. um on a regular basis. In the beginning though, we had this guy named Dustin Yabara. Yeah. I don't know if you Oh dude, he's so funny. So funny. But Dustin is like one of the most underrated, funniest comedians out there. He doesn't have a big following on social media because he doesn't really do much on yeah, that. Yeah, he's not active. Um, but he he is so funny, man. Like one of the funniest guys. And he, he talks about fast food, which is like super <laughs> relatable. Dude, yes. And I talked to him. I was like, dude, you did 15 minutes of fucking fast food jokes and people were killing he's like bro i got 45 minutes of fast food jokes he's like you don't understand that is so funny. um but he's like one of those guys where you know i would love to put him on because he's yeah. just not he's he came up with like chris D'Elia and all these people really? and they have like he has these stories of like when they both were starting off, they both were auditioning for certain things together and all the stuff. But Chris D'Elia just happens; his family is very well connected yeah. in that in the in, in the, the industry, yeah. and so he was sprung up, got the leg up, yeah. yeah. And so it's, that's kind of like how it works, right? Yeah. And so unfortunately, that's our goal, though, is the big laugh comedy is to provide a brand where a Dustin Yarbrough doesn't have to get lost in the mix, yeah. Where, Which is so cool. Yeah, where a cre where where a Sam uh, Camaro, I think that's his last name, Samuel, uh, or, or Drew Lynch is another good example. Have you ever heard of Drew Lynch? No. Drew no. Lynch is so funny, dude. Like I've saw him live at Cap City okay. uh, a couple Drew years Lynch. ago, and he he has a really good, interesting story. But he is known because he was on America's Got Talent. And he made it to like the finals, America's Got Talent. But like, we want to take comedians who feel the need to have to go on America's Got Talent or some of these other odd places to yeah. kind of get recognized that they don't have to go through that. They can just come to this known brand that people trust and know that the high yeah. quality content and they can discover new comedians coming up and that's find beautiful. these people, man. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. And that's like, you're going to just explode the comedy world like that people are going to know that and especially the comedians are going to love that yeah uh speaking of dustin yabara though i was actually so the one of the nights i went and filmed with you um uh, i was looking at the lineup on instagram and and i was walking from i don't know somewhere on sixth street i had to walk from my truck obviously to the club and uh -huh. i passed him and i was like that he looks i was like bro are you are you performing tonight like i just i think i just saw your face on instagram and he was like, oh, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> and I, he was like, what's your name, man? And I was like, dude, I'm Aaron. I'm, I'll be I'll be filming tonight. And he's like, awesome, man. Well, I'll see you in there. And it was so cool. It was the chillest, That's a good impression, chillest experience. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. It was the, such a chill experience. And first impression, he never met me before. He had yeah. no idea. And he was just super nice. And like, He's a very nice guy. Yeah, people and, like that are just, you can't help but root for them, you know? Especially yeah. when they're like undeniably funny. It's so I, funny, man. If you show me a person that doesn't laugh at his freaking fast food jokes, then yeah. They're insane. Exactly. You know, so that was so just to go back on that story, I didn't yeah. really finish, but 
Um, Dustin Ybarra was on one of the Death Squad shows, and this guy hit me up, and he's like, hey, I'm going to grab tickets to this. He's like, uh, who should I keep an eye out for? I was like, yo, watch out for Dustin Ybarra. Yeah. He's a killer. And so he went, the guy came to the show, saw the show, uh, hit me up the next day, was like, dude, you were so right. <laughs> Dustin Ybarra, his 20 minutes was worth the entire show. Yeah. He's like, that's oh, what he yeah. wrote to me. And he's like, from here on out, I trust anything you say when it comes comedy related oh, stuff. Dope, man. I was like, that is what's up. And that but like it takes one person, but yeah. like each person slowly but surely, that's what we want to build. Exactly. Man. Yeah. Have you ever uh this is kinda of going off topic, but have you ever been in the comedy store and like seen shows over there? No, so I I've been out to LA hundreds of times yeah, yeah. and I have never made it out there and I will once things get back and it's yeah. back open and stuff like that yeah. but yeah unfortunately I haven't but I'm excited because I will get to go there and I think I'll be able to experience it a little bit differently right. than I would have if I went there prior mm -hmm. but um, yeah I'm, I'm excited have you ever People, been there? Dude so I went to LA with my roommate uh, he's actually on a flight there right now but we went to LA and uh, I dude, I was like, I've been pretty decently big into comedy for a few years now, mm -hmm. and so I was like, man, we have got to make a trip out here. It's it's hot. This is like the biggest and best it's ever been. Yeah, there's comedians every night. Like we'll go on like a Tuesday and we'll see who like the best lineups we can ever see. Yeah, it's and so uh, Jeremiah has a, he had a show called Stand Up on the Spot, uh -huh. and so that was in the small room. I think it was called the Belly Room, uh -huh. the smallest room ever. Super super close, like. Um, probably from me to like, you know, the stairs is like how close the comedian was. And I was like pretty far away. Yeah. And anyways, that night we saw Burt Kreischer, we saw Joe Rogan, we saw Tony Hinchcliffe and we saw, I think that was it. And then Jeremiah went up there with a couple of them, but nice. it was the coolest experience ever. Cause like just knowing the history about the comedy store yeah. and just the atmosphere, yeah. it, it's like a, it's like insane. The vibe, like the vibe you get walking in there you're just like. Well, you see all the names that are written on the wall, the paid yeah. regulars, and that room was so cool because, like I said, it was just so intimate. And the guys weren't even doing their 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 uh, their bits, their their stand up that they normally do. It was uh -huh. stand up on the spot, so it was all improv, like oh, all awesome. off the top of the head. And so it was so cool, man. And then and then Joe walked out. I was like, dude, good set. And I gave him a fist bump, and he was like, because he didn't know. I guess he couldn't see, but he yeah. was like in his got some big ass mitts but dude. it was dude you have to go you have to go especially once oh, well. it gets back i think the comedians well obviously you know that they love that place yeah. everybody still loves it and so there's going to be like a different level of respect and like For sure there's the vibe is just going to be it's never going to go away no just being in there you know it's never going to go away but especially when those big names kind of come back and yeah. visit and it's gonna be cool. Yeah, yeah, it is gonna be cool. I'm excited to go back there. Yeah. I'm also interested to see how this all shifts because right. Joe has said this a number of times. Pretty much any time he goes anywhere, he's like, he's turning Austin into the comedy mecca. Mm -hmm. And if anyone who can do it is Joe fucking Rogan, it's already started. Baby. I mean, yeah, it has. I mean, I like honestly, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in if it wasn't <clears> for him. I also wouldn't be in the position I'm in if it wasn't for Red Band. I wouldn't be in the position I'm at wasn't for Tony like all those guys I owe a ton Joe I don't know as well but Red Band and Tony I've been able to develop a relationship and both oh, are great guys and they they do a ton for me you know like I don't know if they know this or not and I've told them a few times but 
I'm like, I'm super grateful because it wasn't for them. I wouldn't be in contact with some of these people and we wouldn't be able to be in the position that we're at at this point. Yeah. But comedy story is, is definitely not going to go anywhere. It's a staple. Mm-hmm. It's It's got so much rich history there. Um, but, you know, it's going to be really fun to see how all this kind of changes here because Joe's going to have his own place mm-hmm. and he's going to pretty much turn it into like a workplace just like the comedy store was. Yeah. It was for everyone just to come watch really high quality, you know, comedians work out their shit and have a really good time doing it, man. So it's going to be fun. It's so crazy, man. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, you do a lot to them. I, you could say that, right? But just mm-hmm. because of the nature of the beast, like they have to perform and you had a club open yeah but also man you just you can't discredit the hard work you put into it like and it's also the timing of it just couldn't have been any better for Mm. you like covid was like probably the biggest blessing ever for you it was in in hindsight you know like i feel bad sometimes because people are like (laughs) how was pandemic for you i was like it's fucking awesome it's the best thing that ever yeah i was like geez dude you like you don't understand what this did for me yeah but But, i mean it's the good thing about it is that helping you is helping thousands of other people because they're getting that joy and that laughter and the smiles bringing exactly. it, bring it back man i'm bringing bring it back it, but bring it back the callback i like dude, it it's so it's dope <laughs> dude i can't i can't get over it i'm just i'm freaking grateful that i'm the tiniest part of it with you guys appreciate it man and then i'm like i'm of well course, you do great work bro like appreciate it man i mean i have people who are in that world of like production and mm. editing and and videography and I, even yesterday, um, Yanni, uh, or Yoni, I'm sorry, I always pronounce his name <laughs> wrong, but Yoni, the, the best barbecue, he's running podcast, but he does a lot of video, does a lot of work with like Kill Tony and, okay. and like all the comedians. And he, he produces some really high quality videos too, but he was telling me last night, he was like, yo, that video, he's like, who produced that video for you? And he was talking about the one that you did for me. Oh, dope. And I was like, yo, this kid Aaron who reached out to me who wanted to do a free video. Yeah. On, uh, and he reached out on Instagram. I'm like, and then we paid him to do some other stuff for us too. But like, I'm like, he's like, dude, you need to get that video out there. He's like, you need to put that out more and more because it's a really high quality video. Appreciate that, man. And I That's was like, cool. yeah, bro. I mean, like real recognizes real, yeah. right? You know? Um, <laughs> so... You know, like you're doing really good quality stuff too, so don't like you know diminish your your, that, man. your work as well. It means a lot to me. Yeah, this, for someone to... who's 23 too, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Fuck, I mean, you look like you're 30, but still. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I've heard, that. <laughs> I've heard that quite a few times. My uh, my girlfriend is uh, she's she's like 28. Oh shit, she doesn't like it when I say that, but uh, uh, she's, uh, I mean she's 23 also. No, but she she likes the way that that. She likes that I look older because then it makes her feel better about dating a, like a little bit of a younger guy. Yeah, it's kind of. But you're kind of like mature though too, so you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least on the surface, I don't know how you are behind closed doors, but you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's cool though, man. Yeah, like you do really good work, man. You just got to keep doing what you're doing. I think you're gonna be yeah. a big part of everything. So. Yeah, I, I dude, I really want to. I truly just want to. You're gonna help us out more too. Like we're gonna do more work together as well. Um. Uh. So. Uh. Yeah. And and that's what I want, man. Like I, I want to be able to not just help out comedians and the and the and the the people, the community, but also like people like yourself who mm. who can participate in other ways by helping out with video production or editing and podcasting and yeah, all bro. shit, man. Like it's just like let's all do this together. There's like we could like there's strength in numbers. Like if yeah. we all believe we can do this together and we all work as a team, like there's no reason why we can't accomplish yeah. big things. Man, I agree. Do you guys have any uh 
You guys have any other projects coming up, like big, big like, like a big show or maybe any show you want to promote? Or? So we have uh, Brennan Schaub in, uh, in April, April. Um, April 22nd through the 24th. He's got four, five shows. Okay. Um, wow. Man, we got a ton awesome. of stuff going on. Mark Norman, we're bringing a Dude, I was about to ask you yeah. about him, bro. Yeah, he well, he's coming. To, he's coming in April too, but he's going to Paramount. Okay, um, which yeah, is cool. Yeah, which is fine. But he, we're he's we're bringing him to uh, in in June. We're bringing him to San Antonio. Okay, I'll be there. for for four shows. Yeah, I think it's four shows. And then we're doing two shows in San Marcos actually. Okay, that same weekend. So, dude, Mark Norman is one of the funniest comedians I've ever. It, and and whenever you think of comedian, it's like. You almost think of that person with the, the comedian voice and like, well, hey, what's the deal with? And he's like the epitome of that. He's yes. like the perfect example of that. Yes. Everything about this. But he guy like says, pokes fun at that specific <laughs> yeah. thing, which is so funny. Dude, oh my god, dude, me and my brother love that guy. We're gonna go see him in April at Paramount, yeah. and then I'm gonna go see him in San Antonio for That's sure. That's awesome, man. We, we got a lot of big things on the horizon. I mean, like, I would just say it's, uh, two things: is is follow us on social media. Uh, Instagram is a good place at Big Laugh Comedy Network. Um, you check out our website at Big Laugh Comedy. That's going to look a lot different in the next couple of months. We got okay. a lot of new content coming out. Good. Um, uh, that's a big thing too. We're going to start producing a lot of content, profile pieces on people, uh, news related stuff in the comedy world. I feel like there's really not a, like a, a news smart. central for comedy related yeah, stuff. Yeah. And uh, that's what we want. Be a part of what we have in plan in, in our plans, and then um, yeah, man. I mean, like we got keep an eye on San Antonio. We got another tour that we're working on. It, it's not like a tour tour, but it's it's gonna be probably uh, like a little Texas tour. Yeah, and so um, we're just finalizing those details. Perfect, and then uh, hopefully we'll be able to you know get it rocking and rolling. And yeah, man, just you know, and also I would say go on to. Uh, blcomedy.com if you want to get like exclusives of who's coming out yeah. get stuff right to your inbox uh, I highly recommend signing up for our email list which is a free email list it's for VIPs we send out like um, you know exclusives of when shows are coming out before people really know about it oh, so nice. you can get first pickings um, as well as sometimes we'll throw out some discount codes it's not always about the discount codes more so just the exclusive yeah. like things before everyone else gets it but which um, is huge, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is it is huge because then you get the first picks on the seats and all that yeah. stuff. So uh, you can go to uh, blcomedy.com uh, forward slash VIP dash list. VIP dash list. Yeah. Okay. Cool, bro. Do you guys sell merch? Not yes. Yet. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we just started, man. Like, I got the shirts. Yeah. Uh, the shirts. We got two different kind of shirts. We got the one with the big one. This one, uh, we have tank tops for the women. We're going to have crop. We got crop tops for women, too. I even got kids' shirts because I got kids. Dope. Nice. So they're going to be wearing them. I'm going to be pimping them out. That's beautiful. Um, and then we got hats, too. A lot of people love the hats. Yeah. I'll get you a hat for Hell sure. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, man. So we got we got merch and we got more stuff coming out, too. Cool, man. Yeah, Big bro. laugh comedy. Yes, I'm sir. so freaking pumped, dude. Thanks. I'm so Bro. Dude, thank you for coming on. Thanks uh, for having me, man. Do you want to you want to shout out your personal Instagram or just a big, big laugh? Yeah, just follow Big Laugh. Okay, Big yeah. Laugh Comedy, baby. Yeah, I mean you can follow me too if you want to. It's at Brandon M. Lewin. Uh, that's I'll, I'll that's throw it in the description too. Yeah, uh, but what I would say is if you're a comedian. 
don't hit me up on Instagram and try to ask for time. Uh, my personal one. <laughs> I have so many people who are like, yeah. they're like, that's why I had like a little hesitant to put on my personal one. But yeah. it, it, if you guys want to follow me, like I put out comedy stuff and all the pictures and, and things yeah. like that. Your so you can follow, yeah, yeah, follow you could follow me on there. But uh, if you, if any comedians interested in getting time, definitely hit us up through Big Laugh Comedy Network on Instagram. Yeah. That's the place to go to. Okay. Yeah. Perfect, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks hey, for thank in, you bro. for having me, man. Dude, this was fun. This was fun. This was it's a little fun. bit different in person, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot better in person. Yeah. I think it's better. easier, you know. So yeah, uh, I see why Joe Rogan does it. It's dude. It's addicting. We've already been doing this for over an hour and a half. So it's like oh shit. It's like a time warp, dude. Damn, man. Yeah, I yeah. can tell because I got all these missed calls and text <laughs> messages. <laughs> all right, bro. Start start that grind up again. Yeah. I appreciate you coming in, bro. Thanks, bro. Appreciate, appreciate it. it.